for our diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Hi everyone, and welcome to edition, uh, today's edition of Raw Recovery with Dion Miller. I'm glad that everybody could make it today. Um, during this whole coronavirus thing, I haven't been able to go into studio, but I have plenty and plenty of friends and people that want to tell their stories. Um, I really feel like people's stories right now are extremely important. We're all going through something, and this is a WE program and we need to do it together. So uh, a new friend of mine um, um, who had met through some online meetings, I've been getting a lot of new friends from online meetings. Uh, Michelle is joining us today. Hi, Michelle, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well, Dion, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Just enjoying the weather, um, making sure keep my make sure my wife has enough space from me. Um, those sorts of things. Taking a nap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh welcome to the show uh raw recovery you. um you're you were nice enough to uh come on and tell us your story um so why don't we go ahead and get started okay thank you for asking dion um i'm michelle i'm an alcoholic hi michelle um what this is what happened to me what it was like Great. what happened and what it's like now for me, my experience, strength, and hope. Great. Um, I was born into a good Irish Catholic family, number six of eight kids, and I might add, alcoholic yeah. family. Um, my parents didn't drink. Uh, neither one had much problem with alcohol. Okay. However, alcohol surrounded us mm -hmm. by my grandfather and his okay. two brothers on my dad's side and my mom had an alcoholic father and a raging alcoholic sister okay she was awful to my mother um when we were really little we thought the things she said were funny and to but as we got older we realized she was just flat out mean mm -hmm. and she was drinking yeah. so um alcohol in my immediate family really had no centerpiece. I mean, okay. it was there, but nobody seemed to drink, you know, nobody was sneaking extra drinks. Never, yeah. Dad never yeah. asked anything. Not at your house. So, right. And when I, on holidays, they'd let us have, like, I, I remember in particular after Midnight Mass, Christmas. Sure. Yeah. We'd have a cordial glass of sherry or wine. Mm -hmm. No big deal. Um, so for a very long time, alcohol did not bother me. However, I do believe I know what, um, what set the groundwork mm -hmm. when I was very young, my oldest brother sexually molested me okay. and two of my sisters for about, went on for about five years. Wow. Okay. I was the main target cause I was the quietest and probably the most scared of him. Sure. Um, he was a big, I mean, he was a big bully. He, he's, um, six, five. And to me, he was always six, five. 
Oh yeah. Um, and this was in the sixties. He the, the sorry, this was in the sixties. He just never talked about yeah, this sort that of thing. Stuff was yeah. Those kinds of problems were swept under the rug. We did exactly. Not, we did not deal with those problems. Children are to be seen and not heard. Yep. Exactly. That was exactly how it was. Um, in fact, um, my sisters tried to tell my mother, and mom had a tendency to not want to deal with something that was difficult. Okay. It was always dad's job. Sure. She, so when my two older sisters went to mom, she slapped one of them across the face, told her she was a liar. Yeah. Her son would never do that. And I, unfortunately, I'm, I think my parents were a little afraid of Patrick. He was the biggest one. Yeah. He towered over even them. Um, so years later and years later, I finally sat down with my dad and told him, Okay. And he had told me he suspected okay. that Patrick was doing something. Okay. And even in his way, he didn't want to know absolutely the truth until I finally told him. Sure. Now, by ignoring the problem, isn't that kind of an alcoholic family tendency? Yeah. Maybe there was an alcohol in the family, so, but still some of those actions are yeah. there. So dry drunks. Yeah. And, and dry has, drunks. And passing on family trauma. Yeah. Um, our generation really got, you know, us that are a little bit older, we're really trying to make those changes in the family trauma. Absolutely. Um, and, and years later, he would do things like I, I was working and uh, living on my own and doing okay. Um, and he, but he would always insist on if I went to visit him, his way of kind of, making up for what happened would be to insist on paying for my flight. Ah. And it's like, dad, you don't have, no, no, no. You tell me how much it was. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I do want to make a couple things clear. Number one, I am not a victim. I am a survivor. Good for you. Absolutely. I just, you know, my parents did the best they could at that time. Sure they did. Mm -hmm. And so my second point is I don't hate them. No, nope. I don't resent them. Yeah. I'm, you know, they both have passed and I miss them dearly, but they did mm -hmm. the best they could. They had eight kids. Yeah. And, um, you know, it wasn't, life wasn't always horrible. We had some good times. Yeah. Um, so, and I was never a bad kid. I never acted out. Uh, probably I isolated I, I will say, as a result, my first reaction was to isolate and write stories about these fabulous families mm -hmm. that I wanted to be in. Okay. These perfect families. Yep. <laughs> these beautiful houses that they lived in. We lived in an okay house. Sure. Um, but I wanted something better. Sure. And but I that wanted to escape. Yeah, to live that princess world, that exactly. fantasy world. Yep, I, was, I did. Uh, I uh, I wrote a lot. I made a lot yeah. of stories. Wow. Um, I even wrote. We had to write a story about our house. Okay. And, our, and for one of my classes, and I completely made it up. Mm-hmm. 
Well, one of my sisters got a hold of it and showed it to my dad. And he was like, what were you think? What are you thinking? You can't turn this in. This isn't what our house looks like. Yeah. Right. I thought it was a fantasy piece, dad. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. You want, but in, but in your head at that age, you did see it that way. Yeah. That was your perception. That's Absolutely. where you went to be safe. So it was, yes. that was your safe house in a sense. That, that's how I dealt with the abuse. Mm -hmm. And my other sister, I'm getting a lot of calls. It's like, people, quit calling me. <laughs> um, to my siblings, other siblings' credits, boy, they, they were around as much as they could be. They, I was, talk about being in the middle of a life raft. Yeah. Unfortunately, it had a leak and he got through once in a while. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really what laid the groundwork for me. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I don't think of any of my other siblings as alcoholics, but they do, they have that anger. I mean, yeah. I have, a, especially the two sisters that were also abused. Mm-hmm. They have that alcoholic anger temper yep. and uh, resentments. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and even with this happening, I really didn't take to alcohol very much. I mean, I tried, went with the girlfriends and found a place we could get drunk on Boone's Farm yeah. and Annie Green's Farm. <laughs> <laughs> But it was no big deal. I mean, I still, I walked away from it, didn't really care. Um, so I didn't technically hear the siren, the siren of alcohol yet. And even into high school, I mean, I went, I drank at parties, but again, I could walk away from it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really until I met my reason to drink, my RTD, my first husband. Ah. He was ambitious, kind of cute. Um, <laughs> and I didn't know, very controlling. Okay. And I was weak. I was just a ball of clay to him. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... As soon as we really started dating, he, he started exerting his will on me. I mean, yeah. I'd been working out anyway. I always had a weight problem. Not horrible, but... Um, so I joined a gym and I lost a lot of weight. Okay. He was the first one to notice. And then he expected me to stay at that weight. Oh. No matter what. And so he monitored what I ate. He monitored what I wore. He, he bought me clothes. I never had a boyfriend buy me clothes. That's weird. That should, <laughs> to a non-alcoholic yeah. and normal person, that would have been very strange. Red flag, red flags. <laughs> not to me. No, none of that. Well, you didn't know. Yeah. No. No idea. We are younger and naive. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, can I pause for just a moment? Certainly. Okay. I just wanted to see you. Okay. Uh, so I never really thought about the gifts he bought me. Okay. And they were to keep me under control. Yeah. 
peep me under his thumb. Um, and he would get mad at the smallest things. We'd get into arguments about friends. I even had a really good friend. In fact, by the grace of God in this program, I was able to make amends to, and we're good friends today. It was a male friend of mine from high school. Okay. And uh, Kirk told me I couldn't have any male friends. Okay. Now, never mind, he had female friends. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was not allowed to have male friends, and I just dropped this guy like a hot potato with no explanation. Mm -hmm. And for years, he never knew what happened. So that's those are the sort of things that I would do. And I can tell you today, I don't, I haven't worn spandex in twenty years, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have, own a pair of high heel, what they call "come fuck me" shoes. Yeah. Don't have them. Um, they'd probably take my knees out if I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I, he really started, he isolated me. When we, we finally got married, much to my family's chagrin. Mm -hmm. I mean, my father, I was standing, my father to give me away, and he looked at me and said, Michelle, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, Dad, this is my wedding. Of course I do. Mm -hmm. So sadly, we did get married. Right. And, I, and I think I had to go through this sure. to peel another layer mm -hmm. of experience off. Uh, like I said, Kirk was very ambitious. We, lived to, we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. We lived there for seven years. He, he had... He was an architect, had his master's in architecture, and, um, and oh, and I grew up in Michigan, Southfield. I don't think I said that. Okay. Um, and he went to U of M. He, so he was perfect in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, he began to make me believe that he was better than me. Mm -hmm. He made more money than me, of course. Yeah. So he was allowed to do whatever he wanted. And I was the housemaid mm -hmm. wife whore. Yep. <laughs> In a nutshell. My money yeah. didn't matter. Yeah. If I made a mistake on the checkbook, he wrote a long list of my fuck ups and made me read them every morning. I was walking on eggshells. Oh, yeah. I was also so beaten down. Um, I didn't see what he was really doing. Yeah. Stockholm Syndrome. What is it called? Stockholm Syndrome. Is it? Okay. It, it reminds me of it. I don't know if it would actually classify in that, but that's where you're held by a captor, and after a while, you begin to develop feelings for that person. And... <laughs> Yeah, it and, sounds and like believe, it to me. But yeah. at the same time, and let's reiterate this: um, you didn't know any better. In fact, mm -hmm. that that house that you drew when you were a kid was that was that dream starting to come true for you. But you yeah. were but you were fooled. Yeah, like we'll find out later that you turn it into gold. So keep going. Yeah, I hear what happens. Um, 
And so uh, he, architecture was having a hard time even in Charlotte. So he got laid off. His, um, his minor was computers. Okay. Apple Computer opened a, uh, uh, an operation in Charlotte. A call center, technical call center. He got a job. So he was, I was allowed to have friends uh -huh. <laughs> there, but he was isolating me from my family. We'd go back mm -hmm. for visits for Christmas and other holidays, and we would stay with his family. We would see my parents. And anybody that happened to be at their house one day. Mm -hmm. And all the rest of the time was spent with his family because he didn't think my family was worth his time. Okay. And hurt, you know, hurt them all very much. And hurt me. But I was too chicken to say anything. Mm -hmm. um, it, everything was my fault. Even when he couldn't think of anything. Yeah. To get mad at me. So well, I began find, to drink. And I'm, I, I really anyway. started drinking. Ah, yeah. There it is. Thankfully, okay. he, he started. Thank, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go on so long about that. But he, um, he started to travel. Okay. And there was my chance to drink. Yeah. And I took advantage of it. I drank, wine was my master. That's what I really loved. I tried whiskey. I tried um, vodka. Eh, actually, vodka. I tried to replace the vodka so he wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. I put water in there. <laughs> and he didn't know until he decided to freeze the vodka. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like a good alcoholic, I denied I knew what happened. Sure. Um, and, and then one day, my higher power spoke to me. My spirit was dying. Mm -hmm. I was drinking all the time and replacing things, replacing the wine mm -hmm. so he wouldn't know it was gone. And I finally looked at myself and thought, what are you doing here? So I divorced him in 2000. Wow. Okay. And then my drinking career was all my choice. And by yeah. then I was hooked and I would drink, I would, you know, the usual come home and drink. Cause it was a long day at work. Mm -hmm. Come home. Cause I was in a bad mood. Come home, whatever excuse, any number of excuses just to drink. And I blacked out a few times. Sure. So, um, but I still didn't think I had a problem. And then 2003, I met Dave Freshman, the true love of my life. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised. We were talking one night. I mean, we just clicked. And we were talking one night, and I said, listen, we really need to meet in person. Why don't we go for a drink or something? And he said, well, that's great, but I don't drink. And I went, <laughs> surprise then he said the most <laughs> then he said the most charming thing uh-huh he said doesn't mean i'm not fun yep and i went okay and so we dated 
And really, I laid off the drinking subconsciously, I think, because I didn't want to drink around him. Sure. But, and, you know, like the man in the book that that was trying to be success, successful, decided he wasn't going to drink. Mm -hmm. I did that. And I was really good at it. Yeah. Until we learned Dave's heart failed. Yeah. It was a year after we got married and he was in the hospital. And the doc said, he's going to have to have a heart transplant. Mm -hmm. Well-meaning friends would come over with big jugs of wine. And we'd sit and commiserate about Dave's situation. It would be hospital work, hospital home mm -hmm. for three months. That's how my, my day went. Dave was A1 in the hospital. He couldn't move. Yep. He got, we got a call. In fact, this is kind of auspicious because it was today. <laughs> it was April 8th and it was in the evening mm -hmm. and it was Easter. I started, I had a glass of wine in my hand. Kirk, David, oh, Dave called <laughs> and said they found a heart. Thankfully, I put that wine down. Mm -hmm. And actually, with a little of resentment of, shit, I can't drink this. I've yeah. got to go to the hospital. <laughs> That's how, yeah, we alcoholics think that way. So, yeah. I mean, I was excited, but damn, I couldn't drink. Sure. Yeah, well, it didn't do it. So, in, it didn't do it in your. It didn't do it in the way you wanted it to. So. <laughs> right, right. So I drank. Uh, I mean, so I didn't drink. So I went to the hospital. Um, it turned out three o'clock in the morning. After all that, three o'clock in the morning, they finally took him down. As you know, his transplant was a success. Yep. And. Uh, that was 2007, uh, April, actually April 9th, 2007. It's 13 years tomorrow. Wow. And, uh, and so he was able to get on disability. Um, I was still working at the time about three, four, four months later. Um, no, I'm sorry. Seven months later, I lost my job. Okay. I worked for an insurance company and my boss was an ass <laughs> and, uh, I lost my job. Okay. So I had to drink over that. Mm -hmm. Um, four months after that, I found a new career. I had to drink all over that. And I started realizing how much I was drinking. Mm -hmm. What I didn't know is Dave was starting to pray for me because he was watching me drink. Yep. And, but I still wasn't ready to admit I was an alcoholic because Lent of 2008, I decided I'm going to give up drinking for Lent. That's what I'm going to do. Mm. <laughs> How'd that work? Not this Lent. I lasted two. <laughs> yeah. Some Lent. <laughs> Yeah, in the future. <laughs> Needless to say, but and and I knew. I mean, by then I really knew there was a problem. Wasn't ready to admit it. Sure. It took me another month. We had friends over late March. Had friends over. 
had a barbecue, two big jugs of wine. Of course, among the among four of us, we finished one jug. They all left. I was pretty toasted and uh, decided to sit down and watch TV, poured a big glass of wine, of course, and passed out. I didn't know that I had actually blacked out. Mm, okay. I didn't know what had happened. Dave woke me up. I had a piece, I'm serious, I had a piece of cheese in my hand. Mm -hmm. And he said, are you going to eat that? And I just looked at it. And I looked at him and I uh huh? And he went, never mind. Yep. And I just stared at that cheese. And I heard God going, okay, girl, are you done? Had enough? And I started to cry. I um, went back to the bathroom and I was bouncing uh, in our bedroom. We have a short hallway where our closets are. We have two closets, okay. one on each side. And I was literally bouncing off the closets. I could not stay straight. Mm -hmm. Went into the restroom. It came out. I laid down and started to cry. And Dave said, what's the matter? And I said, I need help. I, I need help. So the next day, March 30th, 2008, went to the Dragon's Den and took my 24-hour trip. Wow. Never Good looked back. And you just you just celebrated um, your birthday. Twelve years. Yep. And you know, it's it's a long time, but it doesn't feel like that. And that's one of the great things of this program is you don't feel that length. I mean, because it's work, but it's not work. Yeah, yeah. You I just do the right thing every day. Uh-huh. Um I I do um, I do service work. I am a secretary for New Directions, which is a Wednesday night meeting at six. Wow, it's a real small meeting. Uh huh. But we have a blast, and um, I really enjoy it. I do only have one sponsee right now. But uh, I have one sponsee right now who is starting to get it. Yeah. When she, when I first met her, she was so full of fear of so many things. Mm -hmm. And she today is, it's, it's a joy to talk to her. She's had that spiritual experience. Yeah. And I, I love it. I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. Life is fun. It is fun. Um, we, yeah, we, um, you know, we've gone through a lot of things and I can sit, I had a high bottom, but that's not what matters. Nope. I'm an alcoholic just like you are or anybody else. Yeah. See, nobody, and, nobody ever says you can choose your own bottom. You really can. It mm -mm. doesn't matter how far down you've gone. It doesn't matter. Yeah. If you choose to do it at that time, it's your choice. It's the way I see it. Yeah. I do think part of what helped me with the high bottom is I was living with an alcoholic the whole time. Yeah. And that subconsciously I knew I know 
even when I first realized I was an alcoholic and couldn't drink and I was ashamed of myself, I still didn't want to drink. I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, of course, like every new alcoholic's like, I just want to learn how to drink without getting drunk or <laughs> get a DUI or whatever. I mean, I hear that all the time. Yeah. But, nope, sorry. <laughs> yeah. happen. Nope. And I was always okay with that. Yeah. Not for you and I, that nope. Yeah. So, so like, like I said, life is good today. We have what we need. Mm -hmm. Um, we fell down heavily financially, but we've built ourselves back up. Yeah. And I don't think I could have done that without the program, mm -hmm. without these tools, um, without helping others getting out. I always have to get out of my head because those squirrels in that cage. <laughs> oh, they're always, they're always waiting for that to open. Sure. They are. And, <laughs> and sometimes I'll just flip that door open and go, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today feels like a good day to go crazy. Why not? You know? <laughs> I haven't done that in a while. So sorry. Not enough drama. Let's let out the squirrels. So, but I think, um, you know, that's my story. Have you uh, any other questions? <laughs> well, it is kind of a, it, it is kind of an area. No, not, I don't necessarily have questions. It's just, you know, it, I think everybody's, and this is why I think everybody's story is important. I mean, um, you didn't necessarily have an alcoholic family. You know, you had parents that refused to drink because their parents were raging alcoholics. That's probably why they didn't drink. Um, you know, and you kind of had a different life growing up. Most people, you know, so I started drinking when I was nine. And from there, I joined a gang, you know, and, and yeah. I was off murdering people, you know, and they had this, but I think the one thing, no matter who it is, we all lose one thing, and that's ourselves. We, yeah. we, we yes. lose thoughts. And that's all that really. Yeah. So, it yeah. is fantastic. Thank you for being on here today. I appreciate your time. Okay, thank you. And I'm glad that you asked me. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. It's been, and it's been cool because I've been getting to know people uh, a little bit better. Yeah. Since we can't really, you know, we have yeah. our meetings, but they're not, not quite the same. So yeah. this one-on-one oh. one stuff seems to be pretty cool. Yeah, I would love to hear your story sometime. Um, just go listen to the podcast. <laughs> my story. Oh, there. okay. Yeah, it's on there. I had a opening okay. one day and told my story. So, um, so. We'll bring uh we're go ahead and bring this to a close. Thank you everybody for coming on and, and listening, being a part of. You know, I think I think from this, uh, what we can learn is no matter where you go, what you do, when you make the decision, when you make a decision to get sober and that you want help, it's important mm -hmm. that we ask for help. That um we don't let what has happened in our past define who we are today. In other words, I don't regret anything that has ever happened to me because I love myself today. And I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for all of that. So thank you everybody for being here. I love you all. Peace out and have a day.